This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. But again, if you're new with us, maybe you're, you're watching online, we, we've, man, we have got a good crew on Facebook and on YouTube. We're, man, awesome. I appreciate you guys uh, watching online. And, and, um, and, and if you're new to Harvest, we, as I say every week, we're just a small expression of the body of Christ. And we, um, we, we love God and we love people. And we're all about serving the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. If you, um, if you are a part of the Harvest family, say it together with me. What is the, what is the vision of Harvest? To make grow and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life, right? And how do we do that? We do that through community, discipleship, and outreach. And so that's what we are all about. And so I started last week, I told you, like I said, that I was going kind of back to the basics. And I began talking last week about what does it mean to be a Christian, right? And we kind of touched on that just a little bit. And I, I, I you know, I, I told you that the, the, the label Christian it seems to bring a lot of confusion today. Oh, there's a lot of people that are using that label that look very, very different than each other in the way that they live and the way that they talk and what they put their trust and their faith in and, and all these different things. And I told you, it brings such confusion that, um, you know, that I, I'm almost at the point where you know, I, I don't like to refer to myself as a Christian anymore. I'd rather refer to myself as a Christ follower because it's such a vague term anymore. It's kind of like people ask, what kind of church do you go to? And you say, non-denominational. How do you know? That means anything now. <laughs> it means anything. And so we're just a church that loves Jesus. We just are following Jesus. But I, I gave you a few things last week that we as Christians all agree on. I gave you six things that we agree on as Christians. That God's love was sent to us through the person of Jesus, right? That no one is born a Christian, you're reborn a Christian. It takes effort, intentionality, right? Thirdly, in humility, we acknowledge that we are not perfect, but thank goodness he is. And because of that, the fourth thing I gave you was that we must accept Jesus' perfect gift for our sin. There's no other way, guys. It's only Jesus. There's a lot of people out there that call themselves Christians that say Jesus is one way. No, no, no. He is the only way. He is the one way. The fifth thing I told you is that we agree that salvation is a gift of grace received by faith and it can never be earned. I'm sorry, but you're just not that good enough. Right? And then number six, we don't just know God's word. We live it. Right? It's who we are. We live it out. So, most of us here would probably say that we are Christians, that we are Christ followers. We have repented of our old life. Hopefully we have put sin behind us. Selfishness, self-centeredness. And we have surrendered to the fact that we were lost in our sin, but Jesus was the answer. He laid down his life for us, so we lay down our life for him in return, right? He's now our master, and we follow him in every area of life, as we talked about last week, emulating him. That's what a disciple does, right? A disciple, it doesn't just sit in a class and listen. A disciple emulates the life of the master. That's who we are as believers. Like him, we want to see the world saved, right? Restored back into a relationship with the Father. Destroying the works of the enemy, right? Are you guys excited about this? Yeah. So, 
Maybe you're at that place where you have surrendered and you're all in. You've dedicated your life to following Jesus. How many of you know that what comes with that? Well, the world, many in the world start viewing you as a religious nutcase, right? How many of you are proud to be one of them religious nutcases? <laughs> a born again fuddy-duddy. What does that mean to the world? Oh, you've become a Christian. How many of you have been there where you had to tell your friends and family, I gave my life to Jesus? Have you been there? So that means you can't what? You can't curse. You're not supposed to what? Smoke and drink. And, and you know, you, you, you can't tell a little white lie. You can't have relations until you're married. Yeah, yeah. You can't this and you can't that, right? Isn't that the way the world views it? It's what I want to talk about for a few minutes. Because the reality, guys, is that freedom is what is ours. But many view it as bondage. So I think the world today views God as this great cosmic prison warden that's watching around corners to see when we're going to slip up to tell us what we did wrong, what we should or should not do, right? And here's the reality, guys. After receiving Jesus, I don't know if you've ever heard this said from the pulpit, after receiving Jesus, you can still do anything. Anything. Do you realize after receiving Jesus, you still have free will? God's not going to violate that. Right? Can I throw a butt in there? <laughs> but, as a follower of Jesus, your life is supposed to be changed. If you've given your life to Jesus, then the Bible says that you're a new creation and all the old stuff has passed away, right? Things are new. Hopefully, you have a passion and a drive within you to actually emulate the master. So, there's plenty of things in this world that are considered sin, right? And as Christ followers, we're supposed to put sin behind us, correct? Now, is there anybody in here that would say that your, ne your flesh never gets the best of you every now and again? Sometimes it rears its ugly head, right? Some of that other stuff, a bad attitude comes out. We don't respond the right way, whatever it may be. We are a work in progress, right? It, if you're not in progress, I, I, can, I plead with you to reconsider who your life is surrendered to. You are a work in progress. With this, we know that as believers, our sins are forgiven, right? So what do we do when we mess up? This is why we got to renew our minds, right? We repent, right? We confess. We make things right. And we march forward with Jesus knowing that we're forgiven. Don't forget the repentance part. That's not saying sorry. 
That's putting it back behind us again, right? Saying, I'm done with that. But as I said, I think so often people, even Christians, are sometimes afraid to go all in for Jesus because they're still afraid of what they're going to lose. Are you going to lose some things? Yeah, you are going to lose some things. Let's start with the curse that you were born under. You're going to lose it. Boy, that doesn't sound like such bad news, does it? Uh, how, about, um, how about guilt and shame? How about hopelessness? How about that orphan spirit that makes you feel so lonely and alone? How about rejection? Yeah, you're going to lose some things jumping all in and following Jesus. Now, will we willingly give up some things? I sure hope so. I sure hope we do. Things like selfishness, being self-centered, right? Pride and arrogance. Being the center of our own little world. Anger. Unforgiveness. Greed. Having to always be right, demanding to be first. There's some things that we need to put behind us, right? We make the decision to give those things up. But the reality is being a Christ follower is not about what we lose. It's about what we gain. It's about what we gain. People say, well, doesn't the Bible say I have to become a servant? Isn't that a bad thing? Guys, it's in servanthood that we find freedom. It's interesting because, actually, I began talking about that last week. Remember I was talking last week about how things in the kingdom seem so backwards compared to things in the world? The reality is it's not the kingdom that's backwards. It's the world that's backwards, right? And so I started just making a list. How is the world supposed to understand what we're talking about when we say, well, the, fir the first will be last and the last will be first? What does that mean? You see how that would be confusing to the world? What about the poor or the rich? The poor in spirit, right? Does that make any sense whatsoever? Gain through loss. Honor through humility. Strength and weakness. For when I am weak, I am what? Strong. Life through death, we gain life through dying. It's utter nonsense to the world, but it shouldn't be to us because these are the ways of our kingdom, our homeland. We're not of this world. This should be the norm to us. There's a last one that I want to focus on for the rest of our time together this morning, and that is what I mentioned a minute ago, freedom through servanthood. Freedom through servanthood. So I, I told you guys that, I, actually, let me just mention this. Uh, if, and by the way, if you follow along, you follow along on the YouVersion Bible notes. Um, it's, uh, you can scan the thing on the back of your chair with your camera. It'll take you straight to them and you can follow straight along. But Romans 6.22 says, look at this. But now you are free from the power of sin. That sounds great, right? Yes, I'm free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Isn't a slave a bad thing? Wait a minute. What? 
I've gained freedom to be a slave? Guys, as I said a minute ago, in the kingdom, we gain freedom through being a servant. And the life of a Christ follower, the life of a Christian should be marked by freedom. But I think because of bad teaching and misunderstanding, many people have begun to really confuse the relationship between grace and freedom. It's because of grace, God's grace, that we have freedom, right? But grace does not give us the freedom as Christ followers to live a life of sin. True? Grace actually empowers us to live a life free of sin. And that is true freedom. So as Christians, it's not about what we lose, it's about what we gain, it's about freedom. So when you truly repent, you truly make Jesus Lord of your life, let me make this clear. The curse is broken over your life. Amen? But this freedom thing, this freedom is confusing sometimes because we still have a flesh and we still live in a fallen world, right? We have a mind. We have a will. We have emotions that, I don't know about you, but mine needs to be renewed and purified every day. And sometimes we have to fight against the bondages of the flesh, right? But we have been declared free. Freedom is ours. Amen? So the question is, what does this look like and how do we handle it properly? And so I told you guys a few weeks ago that I was going to go and I was going to talk some about the fruit of the Spirit, which of course is in Galatians chapter 5. And I didn't get past verse 1 this week. So, uh, so this week, you, you, if you've got a Bible on, you can go to Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 1. We, I, I got a few verses past that. But, but, uh, but that's actually where we're going to start. In the beginning of Galatians chapter 5, Paul is he's confronting some issues that have come up that is causing some waves in, uh, in, in Christian circles, in the church. And so he begins addressing those things in Romans chapter 5. And so in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, here's how he starts this. He's writing to the church in Galatia. And he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. That's what I want to talk about for the rest of the time. And so, as we break this down, what's the very first thing he says? What's the very first three words of that verse? Stand fast, therefore. I'm going to give you three things today. Number one, we have to hold our ground. Number one is hold your ground. If you've got notes, you can write that down. Like I say, it's on the Bible app. Follow along on that. Hold your ground. So again, what's it say? Galatians 5.1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. So he says, stand fast. Now, stand fast was a military term that meant, it still means to hold your ground, right? And so Paul is telling these people, once you have, have begun to mature and began to take ground in your life spiritually, 
hold firm, stand firm. Because there is an enemy that wants to reclaim that. He wants to take it back. As I said, hopefully you're a work in progress. You're taking steps forward. You're looking more and more like Jesus every day. You're taking ground. There's an enemy that wants to take it back. And Paul knows that. And he says, stand fast. Hold your ground. Don't be moved. Does this make sense? What are we to hold fast to? The liberty by which Christ made us free. Now understand, liberty is freedom. In the New Testament, we see the word liberty. It's referring to the freedom that we find in Christ. And so liberty is freedom, but how many of you know, you good God-fearing Americans, that freedom is not free? Freedom comes with a price. Usually it's a high price. Freedom does not come easily. And neither does the effort to remain free. You have been You have to be dedicated to maintaining your spiritual freedom in the same way that we have to be dedicated to retaining our earthly freedoms. So Paul is warning and he's saying now that you are gaining this, this spiritual freedom, stand firm because if you let him, the enemy will take advantage of any opportunity he can to reclaim that freedom that you've gained. Now, once we receive Christ, we're free from the curse on mankind. But how many of you know that we can make choices that put ourselves back into bondage even though we have been declared free? Is freedom still ours? Still ours. But we can choose to put ourselves back into bondage. We can choose to stay in bondage to different things in our lives. Instead, we have to choose to reject those things and walk in, free, and walk in freedom. And notice that Jesus says, uh, I'm sorry, Paul, he says to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. So, you know, I think that so often, and I, I talked about this a little bit last week, we are taught um, that Freedom comes through man-made rules and regulations. There was a lot of that in the early church. And these man-made rules and regulations, just like we see even in Jesus' day, these things have the appearance of godliness, when in reality there's no power in it to save or heal or deliver or even bless. It's all empty, right? Right? It's just bondage in disguise as freedom. So Jesus was pretty, Jesus was very clear that when we get free in any area of our life, the enemy will start scheming. And he'll try to come back stronger than before. That is why we've got to hold our ground. We need to be on guard. We need to be full of the word of God. We need to know who we are. We need to know the authority we've been given and stand our ground. So I don't know what it is in your life as a believer that you've been freed of. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's pride. Whatever it may be. You still got to hold your ground. You will be tempted. The enemy isn't happy that you've gained freedom in these areas of your life. 
He's not happy that you're growing and maturing and being molded more and more into the image of Jesus. He's going to take every opportunity. So what do you have to do? You've got to stand. And you've got to keep on standing, knowing that the Lord is your strength. And you've been given authority over the devil. Amen? We can't let him reclaim an inch. We've got to keep our minds renewed. We've got to make godly decisions. We need to make biblical declarations and confessions over our lives. When we do that, the enemy will be powerless against us. So number one, we see here that in the freedom that Paul mentions in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, we have to hold our ground. But there's another type of bondage I want to talk about for a minute. And many believers get caught in this thinking that they have to fit a, a, a certain mold, uh, basically measuring up through works, which again, I talked about for a few minutes last week. So number one was hold your ground. But number two, he warns us, don't go back to bondage. Don't go back to bondage. Now, it sounds similar, but I, I want to break this down and look at it for just a minute. Because here's what we know. When, when we went through the Old Testament last year, some of you are reading it now. How many of you know that if it hadn't been for Moses, the people of Israel would have marched right back into Egypt and chosen to be slaves again? Right? But what does Paul say back in verse 1? Stand, for, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And then what's the next thing he says? And do not be entangled again. With a yoke of bondage. You understand by him saying this, he's communicating that it's your choice. It's not God's choice. He's already declared you free when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's saying now it's up to you not to become entangled in the yoke of slavery again. He's saying don't do it. You'll regret it. Paul wanted to see all believers. He wanted to see you completely and totally free. He didn't want to see any Christ follower go back into slavery, especially what he refers to in the next few verses. He's talking about slavery to man-imposed laws, which he calls bondage in that verse. He wants us to be totally free, free from sin, yes, but also free from the legalism of religion. And this is where people start saying, well, well brother, you're just, you're just teaching that hyper-grace thing and giving people a license to sin. Uh, I don't know where dad got it, but maybe he came up with it himself. But I always love that. that I, I don't know anybody that's ever needed a license to sin. They're going to do it anyway. Right? Right? Jesus came to set us free from long lists of laws and regulations. He did not free us, however, to do whatever we wanted because he knew that would lead us back into slavery to our own selfish desires. Thanks to Jesus, we are now able and free to do what was previously impossible, and that's to live selfless, selflessly like Jesus. So those that use the scriptures on grace to get their own way and to indulge in their own selfish desires are simply choosing bondage again over freedom. Y'all get that? But it's also wrong for us to allow ourselves to be in bondage to keeping the law. Seems like an oxymoron a little bit. But if we're always chained to a list of do's and don'ts, 
then God simply took us out of one bondage and into another. It's not what he did, though. God says we're free. So grace is not a license to sin. Grace is a license to live free of sin, which was previously impossible. God gives us freedom to serve him. He still makes it our choice. And our only bondage is love, guys. That's what binds us to him. We are his bond servants. We're his servants by choice, out of love. And that is true freedom. In the next few verses, Paul goes on to address uh, what became a uh, uh, particularly nasty issue for a little while in the, uh, in the early church. And that was the issue of circumcision. And so what you've got here in the first days, months, and years of the church, uh, all these Jews are starting to come to Jesus, right? He, the Lord's adding daily those that are being saved. These Jews are all starting to come to Christ. And all of a sudden they realize that Paul's leading other people too, but he's not making them get circumcised. They're going, uh-uh, we got to do it, they got to do it, right? They, they certainly can't be in right standing with God. And so Paul has to address this. Was circumcision part of the Abrahamic covenant? Yeah, of, of, of course it was. But Paul begins explaining, if you go on through the next several verses of Galatians chapter 5, he begins explaining that we're no longer in bondage to the law because of the finished work of Jesus, right? Guys, we talked about this last year. So does that mean that we disregard the Old Testament? No, of, of course not. There's still very relevant stuff there. We, we've got the, the, like the, the, the moral will of God, like we consider like the, like the Ten Commandments. Does that mean we're supposed to disregard that? No, of course not. That's the character and the goodness and the love of God. And that's part of what he expects us as his kids to, to, to follow. But there are many, many other laws that were in place to keep mankind in right standing before God. Those don't apply anymore, right? Y'all get this? They're no longer necessary because Jesus fulfilled the law. Because of him, you have right standing with the Father. Not because of what, you, what all you went and did. So sacrificing animals, no longer necessary, right? How about... Those of you who are reading with us this week in Leviticus, whew, praise the Lord for Leviticus. Burn offerings, grain offerings, peace offerings, sin offerings, guilt offerings, no longer necessary, right? Dietary restrictions. Thank you, Jesus, for some pork. No longer necessary, right? Accessing God through a priest. No longer necessary. Circumcision. No longer necessary, right? So basically, Paul is telling them, he's saying, don't go back in bondage to the law. He's saying, if we require folks to keep this one law, the law of circumcision, then they got to keep the other 612. Is that right? 612. Perfectly. Remember last week we talked about the bullseye? Anything else is sin? Paul's saying, guys, if we make them keep that one, they got to keep all of them. 
And he goes on to say, if you look at verse 2, he says, if this is your stance, the circumcision is required to be in right standing with God, he says, then Jesus is of no benefit to you. As a matter of fact, look at, look at the Passion translation there. Galatians chapter 5, verse 2 from the Passion. I, Paul, tell you, if you think there is benefit in circumcision and Jewish regulations, then you are acting as though Jesus, the anointed one, is not enough. Daggum. He had a great way of putting it. He's saying, if you've received Jesus and his sacrifice, then you're free. Don't go back into bondage under the law. He fulfilled it all and we couldn't possibly do it ourselves. You know, another problem with this type of bondage, people bound by this type of bondage, it's called legalism, guys. And it spreads like wildfire. This is where legalism comes from. A legalistic Christian is bound by the law. And what does a legalistic Christian end up doing? They point their finger at every other Christian. And they say, well, brother, what do you mean you got a tattoo? Do you know what that Old Testament scripture says about putting a mark on your body? Or it says, I can't believe, brother, you just used the word darn because you're just replacing that for a curse word. You know what the Bible says about cursing. like oh my goodness suddenly these believers are experiencing condemnation and guilt and shame when the bible says they're free don't go back to bondage you have freedom as a christ follower so we've got to hold our ground as we make spiritual headway and we mature we hold our ground secondly we're warned don't go back to bondage because you can never measure up right the last thing i want to mention number three is don't use your freedom selfishly and this is the kicker, because we've all been given this freedom, right? And maybe, maybe that's you. You're holding your ground, and you recognize that you're no longer bound by the law. So does this mean that you just run forward and do whatever you want? Better not, because it just leads you back into bondage and sin again. You're giving up your freedom when you do. So what should we do? And what should we not do with our freedom? Paul addresses it very simply in verse 13. If you go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, he says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Somebody say, that's me. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. There's your answer. What are we to do and not do with our freedom? We don't use it to satisfy our sinful nature. So even though we're not under the law... We're under grace. That still doesn't mean that we go and we indulge in sin. Again, do you have the freedom to sin? Yep. You certainly have the freedom to sin. But you're not free of the consequences of it. And indulging in sin will lead to misery and destruction just like it did before you knew Jesus. Right? And this is where we have to make sure that we don't use our freedom for our own desires, but we live out God's character and not violate 
his way. I was thinking of a few examples that might be relevant. So you may be here and you would say, well, I've accepted Jesus. I know I'm a believer. And I know I'm forgiven. So God's not going to hold it against me if I fudge on my loan application just a little bit to get that loan that maybe I couldn't get otherwise. He gets it. He knows my heart, brother. Hmm. Sounds to me like we're using our freedom selfishly and we're abusing grace. I know I'm a believer. I know I'm already forgiven. So surely God doesn't mind if I, all those tips that I get every day from work, I'm not going to claim that on my taxes because the Lord knows I need that money. He blessed me with it. He, he, He gets it. We're using our freedom selfishly and we're abusing grace. I know I'm a believer and I know I'm forgiven, so God won't care if I sleep with my fiance. We're getting married in just a few months anyway. We're practically already married. It's the least of what God has to worry about. We're using our freedom selfishly and abusing grace. Y'all see this? I know I'm a believer. I know I'm forgiven. So God won't mind if I (laughs) look up the answers to that test or exam online. I'm not going to need to know any of that later in life anyway. Using our freedom selfishly and abusing grace. Now, does any of this mean that you've committed the unpardonable sin and you've lost your salvation? No, guys. It doesn't mean that at all. But at bare minimum, you will suffer the consequences of your actions. The Bible promises that your sins will find you out. No, God's not peeking around the corner waiting to call you out on every sin. Your sin will find you out by itself. And you'll suffer the consequences of it, right? Worst case scenario, you may put yourself in a position where you can't accomplish God's purposes in your life. Because you've become so entangled in sin again. Why? Because you keep choosing bondage over freedom. It's in freedom that God can use us. And and, and the other problem with this mindset is it can be so dangerous because how many of you know sin gets, it becomes numbing. Over time, when you've made those kind of excuses, like things that I've said, oh, God understands, he knows my heart, oh, he won't mind, I'm forgiven anyway, hallelujah. And you move on and you do something else and you use that excuse again and this and that and this. And before you know it, you've done things that you never thought you would do as a believer. And you're going, how in the world did I get to this miserable place? You chose bondage over freedom. We all have the right to choose freedom or bondage. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Look at this. Just read this part. I'm going to read it again. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, guys, here's the answer. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Everybody say it together. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
So we talk about the great commandment, loving God and loving people, right? All the law, all 613 of them are summed up in that. So how can you know if you're using your freedom selfishly? Are you using your freedom to serve others out of a place of love and allowing God to get the honor and the glory? It's not selfish, right? It's an example of this. Well, I, as human beings, self-preservation and greed are part of the fallen human nature, right? So as human beings, we tend to get more and more stuff. That's why some people will work their whole life and miss their family and their kids and everything else to get more and more and more and more and more stuff. Because we find security as human beings in stuff when we don't have our faith placed in God. Materialism rules our society. But Luke 6.38 says, what? Give and shall be given unto you, Right? Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So we should use our freedom to be known as an extravagant giver. When you see a need that you can fulfill, do it. Step out. Give of yourself and your time and your energy and your money. Invest in the lives of others. Giving is the antidote of materialism. And the Bible promises when we do, when we don't hold on too tightly to what we have, that we're going to be taken care of anyway. we got to make sure that we don't use our freedom to be critical of others. We use our freedom to build others up and to encourage them, to pray for them, to point them to Jesus. As I don't know where you're at. I know the situations we've dealt with with different families and things. Maybe you're a Christ follower and you feel, according to Scripture, that you have the freedom to have a glass of wine at your meal. Should you do so if you go to dinner with some folks you know have a real issue with that? It's going to be a stumbling block or there's alcoholism in their family or whatever else? Do you stand on your right? I have a right to drink this. doesn't matter what they say. Do instead we order something else because we don't want to use our freedoms selfishly. Self, selfishly. Does this make sense, guys? How are we using our freedoms? In your freedom, we have to honor and respect others. We have to remember that freedom was not given to us to indulge in selfish desires get yourself some sweet tea <laughs> we're to use our freedoms to serve one another in verse 14 as I, I'm going to wrap it up here guys in verse 14 Paul refers back to the discussion on the law and he basically says if you want to fulfill the law do it the way that Jesus did it all the law summed up Love your neighbor as yourself, right? And we step out and we love our neighbor. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. We honor people. We invest in others. When they're what matters, when this becomes our priority. Guys, because of Jesus in us, the whole law is fulfilled. We've got to get a proper perspective 
of what freedom means in the kingdom of God as believers, especially in the world that we live in now. So to conclude, as Christ followers, we have freedom and our life should be marked by freedom. Guys, with things going on in the world, so many people are so fearful right now. Your coworkers and your sphere of influence should see that you're free from fear. You are filled with a peace that surpasses all understanding. They certainly don't understand it. Why do you have that, why do you have that peace? Because you're free. And they should be drawn to it. Why aren't you freaked out? Why aren't you upset? Why aren't you anxious? Because I'm free from that. I've got the Prince of Peace. Amen? As we grow and mature, we have to remember the enemy wants to take back ground. So we've got to hold our ground and stand firm. Amen? We've got to make the decision to not go back to bondage, whatever that may be in our life. And we've got to make sure that we don't use our freedoms selfishly as children of God. Amen? Don't continue next week, and maybe we'll get to the fruit of the Spirit a little later on in chapter 5. Let's stand up together. Guys, aren't you glad for freedom? Well, I am. I can't tell you what all I'd be in bondage to if I didn't follow Jesus. My goodness. Let's bow our heads. I got a couple things this morning. Firstly, if you don't know Jesus, I implore you, make that decision now. Don't wait another moment. And let me say this. When I say no Jesus, I mean that in your heart, you have repented. You've put your old life behind you. And you have bowed your life to the, his lordship. You have, you, your life declares, Lord, your way, not mine. I say it almost every week, but a lot of people have prayed an empty prayer asking Jesus to come into their heart. If nothing has changed in your life since you received Jesus, since you prayed a prayer, I'll just say, that's a scary place to be. Because God doesn't leave anybody the way that he found them. And the Bible says that once you make Jesus Lord of your life, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. All things become new. Doesn't mean that you don't mess it up. Doesn't mean you don't have to repent. Doesn't mean you don't have to pursue freedom in some areas of your life. But you do have to put him first. The problem lies when we begin to justify those sins in our lives. And we think they don't matter. 
That's not a surrendered life, guys. Every head bowed, if you're here, and you would say, I need Jesus. I need freedom. I recognize that true freedom only comes through following him. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Anybody here that would say, I need Jesus today. I need to put him first in my life. I need to put my selfishness aside. I need to live a surrendered life. Anybody here? Maybe you're watching online and you recognize that your life is not humbled before him. You recognize that you haven't really surrendered your life to him. You don't feel that peace that surpasses all understanding. It's just as simple as I said. We repent. It's not saying sorry. It's turning from sin, putting it behind us and saying, I'm going the other direction. This is not going to rule my life one more moment. And Jesus, that's possible because I'm making you Lord of my life. You paid the price for my sin, my shame, and my guilt. And guys, he will free you from that condemnation that you're experiencing. You just got to mean it with all your heart. And then you walk it out from this day forward. If that's you, we're just going to pray together. Now I invite you to follow along with us. Just say, Heavenly Father, I recognize that I am lost and alone. I've tried living this life in my own strength. I thought I was good enough. I thought I was smart enough. But I'm eat up with sin and guilt and shame. And I recognize that I need you. So today, I don't just turn over a new leaf. I'm giving my whole life to you. I confess and I repent of my sins. That selfishness within me that's ruled me for so long. Lord, I am sorry. And I turn from it. And I choose to run to you. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. You were sinless, but you chose to took my place. You chose to take my place. My sin and my guilt and my shame, the judgment that I deserved. You stood up for me. and You laid down your life for me. And I accept that sacrifice as my own. As you laid down your life, I now lay down mine. I will emulate you in everything I say and do. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me to be everything you called me to be. I'll fulfill your purposes in the earth, Lord. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Guys, I don't know what the Holy Spirit's ministering to different ones of you right now. 
But we have got to get a proper grasp on the freedom that we have been given as children of God. If you find yourself in that position where you have been you've been reaping the consequences of your actions, maybe you recognize that in areas of your life you've been choosing bondage over freedom. I just encourage you right now just repent and say, Lord, I'm giving that to you. And it stops right here, right now. I'm drawing a line in the sand. No more. The enemy will not take ground in my life. I'm moving forward with you. Allow him to lift that burden has been weighing you down. You weren't called to carry that. Jesus is the one who does the heavy lifting in our lives. He carries the burdens. Allow him to take it from you right now. Humble yourself before the Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.